According to Ruchi Thanawala, co-founder of Firefly Lab, an educational data management system for tracking medical, clinical, and procedural performance, 234 million operations are performed every year, and the skill of a surgeon accounts to 25% of the overall outcome of the surgery. With this in mind, we spoke with Rucci to understand more about the work Firefly Lab is doing to bring quantitative data science into medical and surgical education. In this episode, we cover how Firefly Lab began, the story behind the name Firefly Lab, how advances in AI to power educational platforms stand to change the way surgeons are trained, how a more personalized approach to surgeons' training with performance tracking and feedback can improve the overall results of their preparation, how virtual reality can be used to enhance surgeons' training, and what's next for Firefly Lab. I hope you enjoy today's episode. I'm an academic thoracic surgeon. I'm trained in cardiothoracic surgery and general surgery. Um, I'm also a clinical informaticist, focused in data science and surgical education, and a co-founder of Firefly Lab. And as for what I do at Firefly Lab, I am one of the original founders, and I'm kind of a key part of understanding the space that we're working in. As a surgeon who trained in the U.S., um, didn't finish my training too long ago, um, I have a deep understanding of what the space we're working in is, uh, what the surgical workflow is. Um, I help with the data science part, um, building out various aspects of our product line um, for our platform. And then most importantly, figuring out where we should be heading next um, at a high level in our application of our technologies and our platform that we've built in the medical and surgical space. And then for, for your other question as to what the company does. So what we really do at Firefly Lab is we bring quantitative data science to medical and surgical education. Um, quantitative data science has really lived in the space of, you know, uh, financial markets and sports for a long time, but medicine tends to lag behind. You know, we're very quick in surgery to adopt technologies, but how do we use the data that we've been capturing within medicine about how we're doing, how the care we're providing is, we've been really slow to apply quantitative data science to that. And at Firefly Lab, we're changing that. So in medicine, we know, and in surgery, this is like a field where there's a direct relationship between an action we do and an impact um, on people's lives and it's measurable. And the learning environment in medicine and surgery is complex. You know, it's hard, it's constantly evolving. Um, it takes a long time to master. And to even say that there is an endpoint to mastery is incorrect because there really is no endpoint to mastery when you have a constantly evolving field. Um, but by building a dynamic platform that is understanding how people are learning and moving with them using uh, tools such as Bayesian modeling and machine learning and other artificial intelligence tools, um, we're actually helping to accelerate learning, to make the learners more efficient, to make learning time more efficient, and um, really drive the whole curve, if you will, of learning faster than it ever has been driven before. And I always like to kind of end thinking about like what we do in the, the why it matters is the reason it matters is over 234 million operations are performed a year throughout the world. So that's a lot. And in the literature, it's been established that the skill of a surgeon accounts for over 25% of the variability in the outcome someone has after surgery. So that's a quarter percent of the outcome. So the skill of a surgeon really matters. And we spent about four to eight years in training prior to us becoming independent practicing surgeons. So it's everyone's, you know, 
best interest to have your surgeons be well-trained and to really have a deep understanding of how people are gaining skill. Yeah, you know, I've never had surgery, thankfully, but it's always something that I've been slightly timid about or the idea kind of scares me because I always thought that, like what you said, it can vary from person to person and like 25%, that's, that's a lot. So like, I have to say, knowing that there are people like you folks out there working to improve this space helps me sleep a little better knowing that if I ever do need surgery, hopefully it'll be far, far in the future. And by then we'll make, we would have made some incredible advancements and um, everything will just be a lot smoother and a lot safer. So thank you for the work that you're doing. And also thank you for joining me today as well, I want to say. Well, thank you. Uh, no, no problem. No problem. And I also like as a co-founder, I'd be really interested to know from you, like how did Firefly Lab begin? Yeah, so Firefly began when I was a third year general surgery resident in my training. Um, and I just finished my master's in clinical informatics and it was born like most things out of pain um, and suffering that I was feeling and that me and my co-trainees, which you know were called residents, um, were suffering. So what was happening is that um, if we wanted to get feedback and understand how we were doing, we had to go get all this piecemeal information from, you know, different teaching faculty. You know, we had to manually record what operations we're doing, most often on paper, and then manually type that into another database. And the frustration was like, this information actually already exists in the electronic health record. And then when it comes to the feedback, sometimes you would get feedback. That was a good day when you got feedback. It was usually verbal. It wasn't written. So you couldn't go back and reference it. You had to remember it. And we know our memories are really subject to kind of the environment we're in and whether it's good feedback or bad feedback. And then secondarily, there are many times in which you didn't get any feedback at all. So then you're wondering, like, am I doing well? Am I not doing well? Sometimes you would get an evaluation like six months later. So we decided that the best thing that I could do was actually work on building a platform that changed all of this by creating a central place in which all the information about what trainees were doing was going into one place outside of the electronic health record system. Um, and then we could layer in things like really useful feedback tools, um, optimization learning curves. And that's really how it started. Um, it, it started in our daily lives and grew with us as I was going through my training. And the, the strength of that is that we were able to grow with the people we were building this for, which I think not everyone always has the advantage of that. You know, when you're kind of on the outside building a product for someone that, um, or a group that you're not a part of, you have to find your way into understand what understanding what they're, they're doing. But in my case, it was my life. So I had a really good, deep understanding of this and, you know, we could, we could co-grow together. That's awesome. And I have to say, your story is so akin to many other startups I've had on here where they go out into the world intending to do one thing. And then somewhere along the way, they find there's this real issue or a real problem. And then they think, you know what, I'm going to solve this, not only for myself, but so no one has to have to deal with this problem again. And um, I really enjoy that because you are making a difference. and You're making things better and you're really striving to improve things. And it sounds like you're doing great work there. But I'm really curious to know, why Firefly? Why, how would you come up with the name for that? And yeah, why do you decide on that? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, fireflies, like the insects are fascinating. We are learning how complex their signaling patterns are. 
And um, what fireflies do is they synchronize their flashing into a pattern when they're around each other. So they don't have their own internal metronome. Their flashing pattern is relative to the group they're in. The reason this matters within what we're doing with Firefly is that a single point of data about how someone is training or really in any realm is most useful and relevant when in context. And if you get enough points of data around each other, you can stand back and you can see a unique pattern that you haven't seen before. And it varies each time. And that's why you really have to like, it's like being at the micro level so you can understand the macro level. You can't just have one without the other. And fireflies are an insect representation of that. And that's why we were inspired to call ourselves Firefly Lab. I can tell a lot of thought has gone into it. I really like the, that's a nice little cute backstory as well. I like that. We're going to get a little bit more technical now. And I should say that I'm not always the most technical person and I'm not a surgeon. So you're really going to have to break it down for me. Uh, and our listeners, essentially, I want to know, like, can you share how advances in AI to power educational platforms stand to change the way surgeons are trained? Yeah, so I think that that's a really important question and a really relevant one to put in context for the fact that the term artificial intelligence um, is used a lot these days. And there are places in which it fits in and there are places in which it's still kind of on the outside looking in, but making its way in. Um, AI applications in surgical education and how we train surgeons, this is a new space that's being used in and we're one of the groups that's using it the most uh, when it comes to giving feedback to residents and understanding how they're they're gaining their skill. I'm going to talk about, you know, just a couple of broad applications um, first. So artificial intelligence is being used, computer vision is a branch of artificial intelligence. And if we were gonna think about computer vision applications in our non-medical you know, surgical lives, it's things like, you know, if you're driving a Tesla and you're using the auto drive function, images are taken and they're processed by a computer and you can identify what they are. That's being done within surgery and the training of surgeons. And the fact that a lot of our operations are done with um, video, and you know we, we're using these special cameras that go into the body, you, like thoracoscopes and laparoscopes and robotic surgery. And you can actually process the image. You can have a computer that is using computer vision, artificial intelligence to identify what they're seeing and compare that to what the surgeon's seeing. Because a lot of surgery we do is about perception, like our eyes and brain see things. And there are different times at which your eyes and brain see things and process it also. But you can use artificial intelligence to help with that. Specifically to what we're doing, you know, with Firefly and machine learning, which is another branch of artificial intelligence, is how do you understand based on where someone is right now in their learning as to where they're going to be? Because say if you have someone who's really perhaps behind the curve in their learning of certain operations or certain procedures, if we can use machine learning, which we, we are using machine learning, to map out where they are, we can change their trajectory we can provide intelligent ways to intervene and advance their learning. Another space of AI application within medicine is natural language processing. And natural language processing is where we teach computers through algorithms to understand our words that are typed. And our brains as humans, we're very good. We grow up learning how to process language. But teaching a computer um, through a program is a very different process. 
but by using natural language processing, like I've been doing in some of my other research, we can look at the operative note. So that's when a surgeon sits down and says, you know, I did this operation and I saw these structures and this is what I did and this is what I didn't do. What goes down on a paper reflects what you understand about the operation. So by using natural language processing, we can actually have a better understanding of what a surgeon's cognitive knowledge is about the operation that they're doing. It's not just about the hands, it's about your understanding of what your hands are doing. So AI has a lot of very broad applications within surgical education. And I think probably stands to have the greatest impact in the, the space of surgical education compared to what is probably appreciated to do by most people. Hopefully you're enjoying the show. And if you are, make sure you subscribe and never miss an episode. You can find us on all your usual podcast sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and a whole lot more, including YouTube. And we want to hear what you think, so be sure to leave us a review. Just search Brains Bite Back wherever you get your podcasts. We've spoken about like natural language processing before on this show, but never like in a context like this. And I really enjoyed your comment about like, it's not just about the hands. Uh, because obviously, like, I don't know, whenever I think about surgeons, that's the part which I'm always focused on the incredible, and uh, the incredible skills that they have with their hands. So I suppose uh, it's interesting to hear it from this perspective. I really appreciate you sharing that. Now, I also do have another question. How can ed tech platforms help restructure surgical education to create a more efficient and effective outcome? Yeah, so I think EdTech platforms, you know, they've seen an incredible amount of growth in the last 10 years. They've existed outside of the surgical education space and the medical education space primarily. We've primarily, you know, within medicine and surgery been focused on like the traditional, you you go to a physical school, um, the information exists within your hospital and your training program, doesn't really exist in a platform, but that's changing. And um, what EdTech platforms are doing are helping to drive the digital and data revolution in surgery, um, especially in the space of the education. So surgical education is relatively an unfunded sector of medicine. There isn't a lot of attention that goes into surgical education specifically. That we're seeing a little shift in, but still really underfunded if you think about in comparison to like cancer research or you know cardiovascular, you know, Um, research trying to decrease the risk of heart attacks. The paradigm has been that you learn in the process of doing. And the doing is what we do for, you know, the four to eight years of our surgical training and our specialties and subspecialties. But with the new growth and focus ed tech companies are giving to surgical education, we are learning how much we can improve our learning. It's like we're at the beginning. When you're mapping out a terrain for the very first time, you didn't even know that there were questions that existed. Because you haven't even thought, you haven't been able to see things as clearly anymore. That's where we are. And that's really fascinating because once we discover what our questions are, we move on to the next phase or, you know, we do it in parallel where we identify these questions and then we address them. And the EdTech platforms are far better at this than individuals because we can do things at a large scale. And I think that's how we are restructuring surgical education and making it more efficient is it's not at the individual level. We're doing it at the individual level and the global level at the same time. 
similar to like, you know, my analogy with the fireflies. You can see the individual firefly, but you can stand back at the same time and see a big pattern. And I think that's a way we have not been able to see our surgical education paradigms for a long time. And I see ed tech platforms really in the next decade completely changing the way in which we see and understand surgical education. Yeah, definitely. I think, like I said uh, to the previous question with NLP, uh, ed tech is definitely something which we are seeing within technology have a huge impact across so many industries, as well as like um, virtual reality. That's another thing that we've discussed a lot, especially when it comes to training. Um, I'd be curious to know, like, how much of a role does virtual reality play in the moment? Uh, if you're able to answer that, I know it's a completely random question that I'm throwing out there, but I'd love to hear if if it has like any particular role at the moment or to what extent does it play a role really? Yeah. So I think virtual reality does have a role. I think it's role is going to be and is in really specific events. So kind of like what we do with Firefly is a really microscopic level, understand where someone is in their learning and then interject in a virtual reality scenario to improve upon that specific thing. Because the real strength of virtual reality is you eliminate the risk of an impact of working on a real human. As long as the participant, the learner can suspend reality, because that's one of the big challenges with virtual reality, in really put yourself in the mind space that I am doing this as if I was doing it in the operating room or at the bedside with a patient, then I think there's a huge advantage to that because it can be done anywhere it can be done without the risk of actually harming people. It's kind of the biggest thing is you got to put it in that right context to have the most direct impact on learning. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited to see what comes from this. It, we've been having some really com interesting conversations on the show around ed tech and virtual reality. So that's, it, it's so cool. And I want to ask one more thing, um, kind of on a similar sort of topic. Well, kind of, mm -hmm. uh, how can a more personalized approach to surgeons training uh, with performance tracking and feedback improve overall results on their preparation? It, in the most simplest terms, we're making it more specific and personalized. And what that does is it makes it matter. So as a result, the surgeon and the trainee, you know, can incorporate this specific feedback into the next time they do an operation. When you have really general feedback, it's hard to incorporate it. Like, you know, you did a good job. Say, you know, a sports analogy is a good is a good one that kind of everyone can relate to. There's a good goal at a soccer game when your coach pats you on the back and says, you did a good job. That is very different from your coach pulling you aside and saying, you know, let's go through how this went second by second, what went well and what didn't go well and what you could do better. And you're engaged with your educator that way, your coach that way. And that is creating a memory. And you're going to have that for the next time you do, next time you go for a goal in the soccer game. Similarly, in surgery, when we have a really detailed personalized approach to each trainee's, each surgeon's learning, down to specific details of like the different parts of an operation, like an operation consists of 10 components, that surgeon learner is going to have a lot of detailed stuff for the next time they do their case. And if we think about this, in the course of my five years of general surgery training, I did 1,200 plus operations. In my cardiothoracic surgery training, I did about 400 plus operations. So there are a lot of iterations in which we can use that information to get better, but it has to be specific and it has to matter to the individual. And gone are the days of 
us thinking that everyone gains skill in a set amount of time. Like our paradigms within training are still tied to years for the fact that on average, it takes about that much time for someone to gain skill in that entire domain of surgery. But we know that's not specifically true. What we're actually hoping is that as we build out a lot of historical experience in these really specific training methodology, like we're using with Firefly and other edtech um, platforms are using, we'll be able to say, this individual needs four years to train. This individual needs six years to train. This individual needs more time in one um, specialty than in another specialty. And I think that's how it is really going to change um, how surgeons prepare in their training. Awesome. Well, yeah, I think that's a, that's a really cool approach. It makes a lot of sense to me. And on top of that, uh, being British, I do love the fact you used the soccer analogy. Um, <laughs> but I have to say, I probably just lost all of my British followers there or listeners using the fact that I said soccer. But, uh, I thought so. <laughs> but, um, but I love that anyway. And really, I only have one more question for you. And I just want to know, like, what's next for you folks there uh, for Firefly Labs or Firefly? Yeah. Next on the horizon for us is expanding from surgical specialties into all of medicine, because this is something that applies to every single physician training. And then actually beyond medicine, because what we're doing is we're understanding how highly skilled individuals increase their like maximum skill incrementally. So going into spaces like in the military and complex skill development there. In not only are we looking at how do we accelerate learning, it's the flip side of that. How do we identify when people are losing skill? Going back to the 234 million operations, 25% of patient outcomes being ascribed to surgeon skill. How do you identify when someone is losing skill for perhaps not having done that operation frequently enough? Or as we all know, as we age, we have decline in our cognitive ability, decline in our manual dexterity, how do we identify those individuals and either help them to regain their skill or identify when perhaps we're en entering a, a point at which we're going to have to slowly, you know, stop operating. We know that it exists for pilots. Um, but I think, you know, with Firefly, I'd like to find a way to ensure that we're continuing to understand the entire spectrum, the ups and downs of skill, not just the ups of skills, because we'd be false to assume that there are never any downturns in skill. There are, and there are ways in which we can understand that and help that. It sounds like you folks are doing some really great things. And I have to say, like the concept of surgery, like I mentioned before, scares me as someone that's never had it. I'm sure it's absolutely fine. <laughs> I know many people that have had surgery and they're totally fine. But I honestly think that um, having this conversation with you, I mean, if you were my surgeon, I would... I wouldn't have an ounce of fear. So I, I really do thank you for coming on the show today, um, explaining and breaking down these topics because they're somewhat novel for our listeners. And I think you did a really good job of, of doing so. And um, if people do want to find out more about you uh, at Firefly or follow you personally, Richie, like how can they do that? Yeah. Um, so thank you for having me on and thank you for the wonderful conversation. If they want to reach out to me, they can, uh, Email me at ruchi.thanawala at fireflylab.org. I'm also on LinkedIn um, and on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is ruchi underscore TJ. Um, so feel free to reach out anytime. I'm happy to converse. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Growing a company has many hurdles, from securing funding to expanding your business capabilities to ranking better on search. Each business challenge is uniquely complex. The solution to these challenges is growth-focused digital PR and marketing, and that is where our sponsor, Publicize, comes in. Publicize sets itself apart from traditional PR companies. It does not charge large retainers or churns out press releases whether you've got a newsworthy announcement or not. Publicize builds businesses' online presence and gets high-quality PR and media coverage for startups and entrepreneurs who are priced out of a broken PR industry. What's more, listeners of Brainspike Back can find the tools and resources they need to overcome common hurdles that many startups face when trying to generate long-term growth by visiting publicize.co slash bbb. That's publicize.co slash bbb. This is the end of today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this and you want to hear more episodes just like it, then follow and subscribe to Brains Bite Back wherever you get your podcasts. We're also available on YouTube under the channel of our publication, The Sociable. Just search Brains Bite Back and you'll find all of our episodes there. We really love hearing what you have to say. So leave us a review on iTunes or on any other podcasting platform to let us know what you think. You can also reach out on Twitter at, at The Sociable. And finally, go to sociable.co where you can find all our episodes and plenty of articles on topics just like this. Thanks again for joining us and until next time, stay safe and stay healthy. Disclosure, this episode contained a client and a Spacio portfolio company.